I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I really do miss our other introduction music. I promise I'll get that sorted for you guys ahead of the World Championship. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the final fallout bar of the Players' Championships. It's final, it's only the second one of the weekend, but it is a short little event, so that's the way we roll. Myself, Jack Govigar, we're joined by Liam. Liam, buddy, how are we? Have you had a good day? Good, good day. Standard Saturday at the darts. We've had dinosaurs, we've had arguments on stage, we've had complaints about the elements down in Minehead. So just a standard Saturday at the Players' Championship, I suppose. Standard is exactly the word I would use. I would not expect anything less from the players. It was all going far too swimmingly after just one day. We need a little bit of drama to brighten up the weekend. Um, chat room, hello to all of you that are joining us. Same faces that have been with us for a large part of the week. Rose is in. Celador's once again trying to stir the pot with valid Sherrick questions. <laughs> Terence is in, Colin is in, Juanita is in. Um, I'm going to ask the same question, but I dread to think what time it is. Where you are, Juanita, it must be early morning there now, surely? I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I barely know what time it is here, to be honest. So I've got no chance of working out what time it is in Australia. Brandon is in too. I was about to say Liam is in, but clearly, mate, that was you saying hello to the chat room before yeah. <laughs> in the show. Got it, got it um, in early. This evening. Yeah, it's been a long, long day. I've had another bet that I just don't even want to talk about it. But I have been refereeing darts at the county level as well, so it's been pretty enjoyable. But we do have some game to talk about this evening. Um, what seems like an absolute eternity ago, Liam, we're just going to go in game order for what I've got on my screen right now. If there's nothing too important to talk about in the matches, then we'll just breeze over them. Um, Vincent van der Voort, 6-5 win over Andy Bolton. Um, I'm going to be honest, obviously I was on a stage refereeing a lot of this. Not sure how much of this you saw early doors as well, Liam. I think this is one we can gloss over. It doesn't look like we've missed anything major in this one. 97 match average for Vincent, plays 90 against Andy Bolton, taken all the way. Um, but it is the big Dutchman that progressed to the last 16 earlier on this evening. James Wade just has a knack of winning these sort of matches. 6-5 victory over Callum Ridge. Both players chucking in a 100 average. Um, Wadey, 6-180s. The man is finding his range on that treble bed once again, Liam. That was an asset for him early in the year. And it seems to have reignited in his game since that a group game against Rob Cross at the Grand Slam just last week. Yeah, and look, going into the Grand Slam, he had, had absolutely no form whatsoever. But look, we've seen signs today. I know he was, he would get onto it in a minute. He was beaten later on, but uh, he beat big win over Callan. Callan's done well this year. Uh, and I just wonder going into the World Championship now, is he going to peak finally at the right time ahead of the biggest tournament on the calendar? Uh, you will certainly be praying that that will be the the machine's time to finally lift that uh, world trophy, world championship trophy in a couple of weeks' time. 
Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shut my eyes and now I wish they were staying shut. I'm absolutely shattered. Really <laughs> um, <laughs> sneaking through against Callum Ridd. Callum will be in action tomorrow in the World Youth Championship. They've upped the field to 32. I don't think we've actually spoken about that an awful lot. Um, I'd love to be able to say who's in that field, but I don't have it up at the minute. I'll try and get it up throughout the show so we can have a brief discussion about that at the end, which probably means we need to move even quicker to <laughs> reviewing, Liam. We're just adding more work to us on this show. We're really prepared, I swear. Um, Rob Cross, 6-4 victory over Nathan Aspinall. Both players look like they played all right in this one, 97 average for each. But Rob Cross coming through, Liam. Um, look, we didn't see Aspinall the Grand Slam. He was one of the more high-profile players that missed out. He looked like he was carrying some good form into... Um, Minehead this weekend, but Rob Cross just once again, he's playing well at the minute, is Mr. Cross. And look, in my personal opinion, I think Rob Cross is probably one of the most underrated players in the world um, over the last couple of years. I mean, massive win against Aspinall today uh, for him. He's shown signs that his form is improving and he is going to be a huge danger. Uh, going into the World Championship, I'm, I'm sure no one would want to draw Rob. He has the experience. He's won the titles before. Yeah, look, it didn't work out for him in the end today, but uh, Rob Cross is certainly one for me uh, going into the World Championship that he'll be happy with where his form is at the moment. And it's good to see him that he's regained that form because he was on a little bit of a slide and he's another one of those players who's uh, rectified that slide that they've had and, and are on the up now again. It feels weird that we've just been quite positive about two players, then go on to lose in this evening session. <laughs> but at this moment, they looked in good shape. So that's how we're reacting to it, as if it's just as that happened. If we do miss anything important in these games, guys, please do let us know. Obviously, we are here to, to have a bit of a chat around them from what we have seen, what we haven't seen, and that sort of thing. If you guys want to talk about anything in particular, just drop it in the chat room and we'll flash it up on screen. For instance, Brandon says, Vincent made hard work of the match against Andy Bolton. Terence says, I like Wade, but I think his time to win the Worlds has passed. I think we're not alone in that. Celador, in his opinion, Price going out has handled, handed the title to MVG. I have a feeling a certain World Cup teammate of Derwin Price might have something to say about that. Um, MVG should be out. Anderson Blewett will get onto that game very, very shortly. Blew it is probably the correct word for that because it's been very, very cold, very windy all over the place. <laughs> Not too pleased with the conditions. Another man that made it through in a last leg decider from, I believe, a long way back is Ryan Searle. Now, I had Ryan Searle as, as part of a cheeky little accumulator earlier in the day. And from my understanding, he was very, very far behind, possibly even 5-1, and gets over the line 6-5 here. Uh, yeah, from my understanding as well, Searle was like a cat with nine lives up at one stage, the amount of missed starts. I think he faced against Whitlock in the round before as well. Um, but look, good results. Searle has done well. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about his result this evening uh, later on. But good win. Ryan Joyce is a solid player. We've seen that at the Grand Slam. Uh, but Searle is certainly making inroads this year. Um, and another player. It's all positivity this evening. He, he's certainly on the up. Um uh, this year. Just checking how far behind he was. I can see it at 5 2, and I can see it at 4 1. So that is some comeback from Ryan. So, and boy, does he make the most of it. Gary Anderson tested early against Ryan Meikle, um, but he's over the line in that one. 6 2 win for the Flying Scotsman. Um, Michael Smith. <laughs> <laughs> pretty obvious what we're about to talk about here with Michael Smith missed match starts because Michael Smith is making a habit of this right now Liam he is been in that conversation for so so long now about getting over the line in a title and he has been in position to win these big games more than enough now probably more so than any other player in the top 16 that doesn't have that big title but it's just not getting over the line when it matters the most. Yeah, and this is actually one of the matches that I did manage to catch today. So, but look, I mean, we it was the, the talk started last week in the Grand Slam. Could he do it when he when he got to uh, the latter stages of the tournament? I mean, he's so much natural ability. We can see that all the time. But um, I think we've seen in the past that darts is not a sport that you 
peak at a certain age. And I just wonder the longer it goes on, the, the more disappointment, the more death that he miss. Look, he seemed in good spirits when he did lose to Garland's day. And it's just one of those things we doubles do go astray. We all know that. But I just wonder how many times he can keep missing these match deaths and keep coming back and trying to perform and mentally get over that block because it's, it, it's becoming more difficult every single time um, that he plays in one of these uh, big tournaments. We've seen it in other players before. Terry Jenkins, the amount of finals that man lost. Mervyn King seems to get to a decent final and not be able to quite get over the line. And David Chisnell's moment that springs to mind. He has been there or thereabouts more than enough times. His record against Michael Van Gerwen for one before the World Championships last year was horrendous. Um, he rectified that to some degree at the World Championships. Yeah. And didn't quite do anything more with it. Uh, Brendan Dolan, comfortable 6-3 victory over Richie Edhouse. Um, good win that one for... The history maker, just a 90 average, seemed to be the theme of the day for him, but we'll talk more about him shortly. Um, the next game, though, mate, is the one that has pretty much got everybody's tongue wagging on social media. And interestingly enough, opinions on the Lewis <laughs> Wright controversy. Um, <laughs> there has been a lot said about this on social media. Peter Wright responded to, he says he hasn't seen it, but in his interview, um, he says that he hasn't seen it. People can say what they want on social media. It's all a little bit childish. Um, the tone of Adrian Lewis's tweets definitely died down as it got further removed from the event. Um, what did you make of it all, buddy? Um, look, from the outside looking in, um, like a lot of people who are on social media, we know that Adrian Lewis has history of having fallouts on stage. Um Look, is it one of those things? I know I've seen a few clips. Maybe there was some sort of tapping of the feet or creak in the floorboards, whatever it may be. But Lewis has been here before. He's known, like he should know at this stage. He's been around the block for nearly 20-odd years at this stage. He should know that you can't react in them big pressure situations. And just that little bit of composure again went out the window from Lewis. Should have taken a step back taking a bit of a breather and especially we've seen it with players before coming out on social media um, and criticising Wright. It seems to go over Wright's head, regardless of what Wright has done. Um, and Lady probably just took it a little bit too far with the social media um, think, and the tweets. Do you think that's a weakness in, in A.D. Lewis's game? Look, we all know how much natural ability he's got, how much he won in the early days, but... The minute anybody puts a red flag in front of him, he is like a ball. He is off. There is absolutely no way of reining that back in. He obviously plays very close to the edge of his emotions when he's up on stage. He needs that to fire himself up. We said a lot about how Gerwin Price needs to be a little bit more aggressive. Gary Anderson's far better when he's got something, when he's got the bit between his teeth. But A.D. Lewis seems to be one of those players that he's always, always got his heart on his sleeve. Every single dart is, is virtually life or death to him at times. But it does leave him open to situations like this because the minute even the smallest little incident occurs, it seems to affect him more than pretty much everybody else. Yeah, and look, like we said with Michael Smith, that the mental aspect of not snapping in these moments. Look, we've seen a lot more of Adrian Lewis recently to suggest that he um, is, is getting back to the Adrian Lewis of old, the one that we know. Um, but it's such a rookie mistake really for someone who is so experienced to snap at Peter Wright. Um, now I'm not sure Peter Wright, whether he was in the right or the wrong, but we've seen this gamesmanship on the stage before. We've seen with Sulevich and Anderson in the World Championship. We've seen it with Manley and Lewis before, Jose Hastesia, the list goes on. Uh, and I'm sure the DRA <laughs> might have a thing or two to say about uh, this incident. Today. That was my favourite thing about the entire incident was A.D. Lewis on social media. One of the points he wanted to make was that he's only ever he's been in the sport 20 years and he's only fallen out with three, maybe four players. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for A.D. Lewis as a person and as a dart player, but that's just not true, is it? Mm. Like, he can lift them. Trying to reel it back in when he's just gone a bit too far, and I think he's 
the Rogers has been cast every year it feels like not three or four players in 20 years that one that one did make me chuckle just a little bit um the pdc poked a bit of fun of it put a christmas card up on social media 80s now pushing for them to actually be produced to go towards charity as well so some good may come out of this situation um i guess this is that what exact what did right exactly do Wright suggested that A.D. Lewis had managed to find a floorboard that was loose and was creaking it while Wright was throwing. Lewis was 3-1 up and A.D. accused Snakebite of finding any excuse to put him off of his rhythm. Um, It just all got a little bit handbaggy. Um, Security were called to the stage to separate the players. Um, And Peter Wright is the man that prevailed in a deciding leg on the dartboard. Um... Next game, and this one absolutely broke my heart, Liam. I'm not sure if you watched yesterday, but I was a Chris Dobie win away from quite a large accumulator. Well, today I had a fourfold um, match treble on. Ryan Searle was one of them, who clearly got away with it from five or behind to three five. <laughs> Gary Anderson was the second. Damon Hetter was the third. And Johnny Clayton against Scott Mitchell, who won 6-0, was the fourth. Damon had to won the match. He hit three 180s to Clemens, two. And they both checked out 40. I was one point on a checkout away from hitting 300. <laughs> it has not been a good weekend for me at all in that respect. I just nearly cried. I can't lie. I just fell on the floor. <laughs> room full of god knows how many people trying to play darts but damon hetter 6-2 victory over gabrielle clemens good performance from the aussie 93 average just an 82 from clemens another player that hasn't put in a 90 plus average we are seeing that an awful lot this weekend from the players uh, we'll touch on that a little bit more shortly um van gerwin van barneveld 6-3 victory for Michael Van Gerwen, again, 95 averages all around. Liam, what did you make of this one? Yeah, I don't think Raymond really performed the way he did yesterday. There wasn't quite the high standard. I think he was probably the best performance of all the players just shown um, yesterday. Couldn't quite repeat that. Steady for Michael Van Gerwen, nothing special. Got the job done, routine. Um, and it's about getting them wins as much as getting the big Tom Plus average wins as well for Michael Van Gerwen, because we've seen in recent times He's been beaten with those huge averages. Um, and this was just a very professional performance from Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, got the job done and didn't get carried away with the, <clears throat> the occasion, so to speak, against um, his fellow countrymen in, in Barney. Correct, indeed. Uh, what came next? Danny Nopper upsetting Dimitri Vandenberg 6-2. Danny Nopper, one of the more consistent performers this year, the Dutchman beating the Belgium. Um, and that was the final game of the afternoon session, it appears, because that's the last one that was a race to six. Um, still chat about the Lewis Wright incident in the chat room. Has anybody noticed it's always the losing players that initiate the complaint? Wright was 3-1 behind at that point, but it seemed to mess up Lewis a bit more. Although Van Gerwen won today, but then was very quick to stand up for pretty much everybody saying the conditions are quite poor. Uh, 007 says, I think if the DRA fine Lewis, it's wrong. Let's be honest, the PDC have been promoting the internet on their YouTube channel to get views. You can't have it both ways. Not entirely sure what rule any of them will have broken if the DRA will get involved at all. The fact security are up there. I don't know if there was any contact between the two players. I know AD loves to to give it a bit of a point towards his opponent. We've seen that one in particular against Jose this year, but they did make contact at that point. I suspect, without going back and watching that clip on the PDC YouTube channel, if anybody gets a fine, they'll most likely both get a fine for bringing the game into disrepute or something along those lines that they could have handled it better. Um, and Lewis will probably get tapped on a little bit for social media outbursts as well because he went on a little bit of a rant just... The problem is with Twitter these days, the minute you put anything out there, somebody screenshotted it and somebody else is reporting it somewhere else, even if that's gone or it's a heat at the moment thing. You ain't getting away from it. And the minute somebody's got photos of it, even if you've deleted it, the DRA go, well, that's on social media, that's on you. So 
And look, I've I've had a look um, at a lot of the comments on Facebook and Twitter regarding the Lewis incident, and his reputation has really kind of thrown his uh, stance on this into disrepute. Uh, disrepute um, look, he we we like we said earlier on, he he's known to have uh, collisions and and been been poorly behaved before on, upon the hockey and that seemed to be the stance of most people who commented on the incident, regardless that they even seen it. Um, and I just think Lewis has to learn from this. He's on a good, his form has improved recently. And I just think he just needs to focus on getting the darts back um, to his top form because all of this nonsense doesn't really do him any good, in my opinion. Yeah, just needs to get back to throwing the darts. That was the afternoon session done. So we can talk about the evening session, which I know you've seen a lot more of and I caught plenty of on my way back from Matlock in Derbyshire earlier on today on the train. And obviously since I've been back home as well. Game number one this evening, Ryan Searle, after surviving that comeback earlier, goes head to toe with Rob Cross and comes out on top 10-7, Liam. Yeah, big win for Ryan Searle. Um... He's another one of these players just outside the top 16 that is probably destined to be in the top 16 very, very soon. Um, like we said with Rob Cross, um, look, he's, he's shown the form recently that he's he's getting back to being that top, top player that he is. Um, it was nip and tuck all the way, really. So winning the last three legs, which really shows his resolve um, when it matters in the in the crucial stage of the match to, to beat a player of Rob Cross's calibre. Um, and Searle has nothing to lose in this tournament with it. He's been tipped for a long time to have a run in one of these in one of these big, big competitions. And he certainly fancies chances come tomorrow. Yeah, there's only so many times I can hear Ryan Searle being referred to as the outsider or nobody talking about him because that comment comes up so often, everybody is talking about him. Anybody that <laughs> watches the sport or, or follows the pro tour level and above knows just how good Ryan Searle could be and how close he's come to really making that breakthrough, especially on the TV cameras. Another quarter final for him. We'll see how far he can go. Um, game number two, Peter Wright against Damon Hetter. And after I needed Damon Hetter to take out a big checkout, well, not even a big checkout, just something over 40, just beat Clemens in the round before. He fires in a 1-6-4 against Peter Wright, but it was not enough against Snakebite, who wins 10-8. Yeah, a uh, bit of jeering from the crowd for this one for Peter Wright. He's usually a fan favourite. Um, so when the crunch times came for the doubles near the end, he was getting a bit of a bit of a backlash from the crowd. Um, but look, Wright didn't really get out of second gear. Seemed kind of coasting through the match. Hetta was ahead. He looked confident. Looked like he had that consistent throw that we've seen from Hetta um, recently, and he's looked really solid. But Really, the, the turning point in this one was the 130 checkout from Wright to break 8-7. It was a huge moment, and even the camera's shot of his head dropping at that moment. Um, and that really was the turning point for, for Peter Wright to run out a winner. And again, like the Grand Slam, not really shown his top, top form. Um, but look, he he's gets through the round, and, that, and that's what he needed to do. We know he's not a fan of mine head. But he'd certainly be a fan of the prize money at the weekend if he does raise that trophy. <laughs> he says he's not a fan of mine, Head. I don't know you'd be hard to press to find a player that is, apart from Gary Anderson. <laughs> still love it. But that's because he can bugger off home, by the way. There's absolutely nothing to do with the venue or the layout. Gary Anderson just likes the fact that he's about 25 minutes away from where he lives and can go home once he's knocked out. Um, his first ever major at mine, the Peter, right? difficult to yeah. against him after once again he's sneaking in the final of the Grand Slam yeah, the other week um, and he's still in contention um, this weekend but a tough way to start tomorrow we'll get on to that very very shortly um, another player that we spent praising in the previous round Liam James Wade falls to Daryl Gurney on one of the best performances we're going to see from Daryl Gurney on TV especially in the last couple of years. That was really rolling about four maximums, four super chin, 104 match average. Another game that was tight early on, 
Gurney makes the break and just stays ahead of James Wade. He's throwing 100 average straight back at him. 7 of 12 on the checkouts from James Wade, but it, crucially, 10 from 16 from Daryl Gurney. Yeah, and look, this was a good uh, performance from both players, really. Um, 104 from Gurney. That's something we haven't seen for a long, long time. I believe it was his third highest average on televised average that we've seen from him. I could be wrong with that one now, but look, he's another one of these players. We seem to have this conversation a lot recently, or it seems to have come up um, about players having a little bit of a slide and can they come back from it. Um, and sometimes all these players need is just a, a run, just one run just to revitalise, get the confidence up. And certainly Gurney, 104 average. Hopefully now we can see him kick on and get back to the player that we've seen in the Premier League because we know he has bundles of talent. Um, he seemed like he had a bit of that confidence, a bit of a swagger about him on the stage today, which is always good to see. Um, and look, he's another one again that we say he has nothing to lose. Um, and from here on, he's got to a quarter final again. Um, and he'll be looking to, to cause an upset again this weekend. He will indeed. Just, uh, I want to touch on Daryl Gurney a little bit more. I'm, I'm concerned about time a little bit, but we can, we can have this little bit of a tangent. When players do hit that bit of a slide. We've seen players that have started to make a comeback do it in, in one of two ways. Rob Cross built himself back up to a base level that we saw in the Premier League where it was 92-93, stayed solid, and then has built his game above that. Daryl Gurney has somewhat done what Michael Van Gerwen's been doing for a lot of the year, where he is capable of producing a very, very good performance, but he's backing it up with next to nothing, probably even a C game, maybe even below that. He's struggling for that consistency, but he is showing the glimpses of that top game is still in there. It's a weird comparison with Rob Cross, but he is another one that is starting to work his way back up, but he needs to bring in that consistency rather than add that flair to his game, doesn't he? Yeah, and certainly, look, sometimes it's, it's up to each player, really. Sometimes it could be an issue with a stroll, just simple confidence, a change of equipment that might be causing a, a poor run of form. But look, when these players have so much potential, um, maybe the, the, we've discussed the COVID layoff before. Did they get lazy? And it's, it's just a, a long uh, lasting effect of a bit of lack of practice last year that has led into this year. Um, but certainly we know Gurney has the game capable um, of producing at the highest level. It's just about building it up. And sometimes all it does take is that one run or consistent performances over a period of time to get them back into the big tournaments, to get them um, to, to relatively decent draws in this tournament so that they can get money on their ranking um, and hope Gurney will be hoping to do that again and kick on because we know he's much better than what he's produced sometimes this year I mean some of the averages we've seen in the floor tournaments have been shocking uh, from Gurney to put, putting it lightly but look 104 average tonight I think he'll be happy with that um, and he'll try and kick on from now on Correct. again um, El Clasico delivered one for the memories at the Grand Slam just a couple of weeks ago. Not so much today. 10-6 victory for Michael Van Gogh and a little bit flat from both players. This is when he decided to take a stand for himself and pretty much everybody else in the field saying that he wasn't impressed with the conditions. Look, the Minehead is a fantastic venue for the fact that it has the multiple rooms and, and you can stay on site for the fans. And for that, it really can't be beaten. Blackpool's brilliant, but obviously that's all guest houses. That's whatever you make of it. For on-site facilities, be able to stay there for the entire weekend, see as many games of darts as you can and alternate between the different rooms and go and see whatever picks you fancy. UK Open even more so with a multi-board room as well, but with Reds and the main room, it is fantastic. But the tournaments are very much restricted to the times of the year that they're on because the site operates the holiday camp and they make the money during good weather seasons. Having the um, UK Open in February and the Players' Championships in November, when it's freezing cold, that main arena is pretty much just a large tent that has so many doors open around the venue, by the way, with, players come, with spectators coming in and out that you can't necessarily see on the TV at that point. There's almost constantly a draft coming somewhere. There's no way they can really seek to to heat that as a venue to make the players more comfortable. I'm not sure what they can do about Van Gerwen's complaint, but if you look at the standard this weekend, I genuinely don't think I've seen so many sub-90 averages from the top 64 players in all. This isn't even talk about holders 128, 
players having a bad day. This is the most sub-90 averages I have seen from the top 64 since Dart's return from COVID, at least. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said there. Um, look, I suppose when you have this huge tent, it's, you're never going to be able to keep it warm, especially at the time of the year that it is. Um, we certainly are blessed with warm weather in November here in Ireland and you are too in the UK. But look, I really like the idea of the the, the two different boards that, that kind of um, switch in between games that, you're, you, that allows you to do there. But if anyone in the chat room and anyone's watching along, we all know how difficult it is to play. If you've ever tried to throw a dart when you have cold hands and look, there was mention to the, the lack of... Um, sub 90 averages and the poor some of the poor performances that we've seen off the weekend really substandard um and look i suppose there's probably a few players that just vented their frustrations about uh, the conditions and look like like you said i have never had the i've never experienced my head but it's i really like the idea of it but maybe you're missing out just, you are missing out it could be uh I think everyone else is missing out as well, unless it's just my intent, because you are freezing a little bit, Leo, but we are going to keep <laughs> persevering because we don't have a third to jump on the show, so let's keep doing what we can. Um, we've got a message from someone within the team. I have a funny feeling this is Jarlath Eaton. Um, he is in my head at the minute with Phil Bard working away. Um, it is effing freezing, according to him. Um, that man. <laughs> on his, but he might even be on his way back to the Premier Inn right now, where everything is Premier. But the price we do love a bit of Lenny Henry is PB. Oh, we are blessed. <laughs> give me some clips because you haven't given me any for tonight. So everybody is missing out on any interviews we have done. But if Phil doesn't manage to get them uploaded into this show before we finish, you guys know the drill by now. You can jump onto the YouTube channel. Once we finish the show, don't go anywhere just yet, and you can pick all of those up here from your favourite players after they've won earlier. Um, we're not sure how many we'll get tomorrow because the players um, tend to not have to give interviews um, if they have to play multiple times in the same day, um, especially with the quarterfinals, semifinals and finals. We almost definitely will not get semifinal interviews. We'll get a winner and possibly a runner-up at that point. Um, potentially quarterfinals, but we'll see how many of them want to, they will most likely have the option to not give those tomorrow. Um, but our full coverage will be back with the blog um, and all of our social media coverage. As always, um, let's carry on with the rest of the night. Jose de Salza, 10. Willie O'Connor, 7. O'Connor played the spoiler a fair bit this weekend. Already beaten um, Chris Dovey and I think Christoph Ratajski as well. Um, but a step too far to beat Jose de Souza, who look, has not been in his best form after he did win the Grand Slam. The only man to have taken that title away from Gerwin Price in the last four years. But I think there's a fair few people sleeping on Jose de Souza at the minute because he's not playing his best game. He still looks relatively comfortable. He's getting there with a B game, which we say is a massive asset that Rob Cross has got. If Jose de Souza can add that to his game, where, look, Devin Peterson on Monday night agreed with Phil Bars. Why on earth anybody would want to do that? <laughs> Saying that he's not sure about his ability to scrap out a game. Jose seems to be doing that right now. With a 93 average, he is into the last day after a win against the player that's taken a few scalps this weekend already, Liam. Yeah, and look, um, Jose has kind of gone under the radar really this weekend, considering that she's actually in the favourable half of the draw from now on. He'll really fancy his chances um, all for this this leg format as well. Like, I think it suits Jose when he gets on a burst. He can reel off uh, a couple of legs in a row and really create that advantage for himself. Um, a B game has certainly been a little bit of a downfall of his. We've seen him lose in last leg to Siders before. Um, and when it comes when it, it gets tight in matches that he doesn't quite get over the line. But certainly someone that's really coming under the radar the, uh, this weekend. And also a good run for Willie O'Connor. I think he'll be happy with his progression this weekend. Um, and he'll try and build on that into next year as well. Yeah, Willie O'Connor's one of them that seems to just have one run at an event per year. And it seems like he's used that up here. But he'll be looking for big things going into 
um, the World Championships. Interestingly enough, Willie O'Connor's exit at this stage means that Kim Hybrex confirms herself as the 32nd seed for the World Championships. Obviously, that means eventually running to go in price as it stands, but he will be seeded, so he should get the winner of a qualifier and a, a, another player, the, the prelim round, basically, first round, and then he'll play the winner of that. Um, three more games to talk about. Let's just briefly go Vincent van der Waal. Back-to-back wins um, today. 10-7 victory over Danny Noppert. Danny Noppert's been very, very solid on TV this year, but 98 average for Vincent. Again, another one that seemed to just get himself in front and stay there. Um, was comfortable ahead of the break. Um, Johnny Clayton beating Luke Humphreys. This is definitely up there as one of the games of the day. Went all the way, full of drama. Johnny Clayton first out of the blocks. Luke Humphreys pegs um, him back five legs on the spin, then takes the lead 9-8, pin back to nine apiece. Both players mismatch darts. Luke Humphreys missing two of them in two different legs. Um, but Johnny Clayton stealing the victory in the final leg. But the final story to talk about today, Liam, is the world number one and world champion Gerwin Price is out at the hands of Brendan Dolan, the history maker with another 90 average. That's two of them today. But it has won him the necessary 16 legs that he needed to progress to tomorrow's action, taking out the world number one en route. Um, look, there was plenty of missed arts at double between the pair in this one. Let, let's not gloss over that. Gerwin Price missing 28, uh, Brendan Dolan missing 20, but Dolan taking his chances and knocking out the top. Good. Yeah, and I'm fairly sure you've seen a fair uh, fair amount of missed doubles now today. <laughs> not not just including this match, but yeah, look, some there was some woeful doubling, really uncharacteristic from Price, uh, who so has come, become so solid uh, with his finishing. Um, but I actually quite enjoyed this for the entertainment value that it produced. I mean, the averages, I think it was 95 for Price as well and just the 90 for Dolan, which was, it was it was exciting considering that them averages, uh, anyone who follows uh, Dolan uh, and realises that he's, how good he is on the floor and, the, um, and has been this year, the, 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 the throw has got quicker, the throwing action, and he's, he's looked a lot more solid. Now, I kind of expected that he might put a run together in, in one of these big tournaments recently, considering how good his form has been on the floor this year. Um, and look, it was a nervy end, but a great match, I, one that I, I really enjoyed. And I think Dolan um, fully deserves a, a quarterfinal appearance at one of these big, big, big events. He does indeed. And I guess this is the moment where we look and go, there are multiple ways for a darts match to be entertaining you don't have to have players go in 104 105 each other at a good pace that was entertaining despite the fact that dolan sped up a lot to what he used to be but is still not the quickest player on tour german price missing bags and bags at double the crowd i don't think got involved too much because it was just that many darts being missed at a double anyway that, that just didn't need to price for the ironic celebration when he did finally hit a double throughout but like you said it was entertaining without them going Hell for leather at each other. Yeah, and I, I think they, they kind of uh, found humour in the fact that they couldn't find a double between them. A couple of doubles were going in with the, with the tarot dart right at the end, and it creates that bit of drama in a match that you want to see. And at the end of the day, um, it would be no fun if they were all finishing 10 nil. We want to see that element of drama. We want to see that excitement, the bit of the bit of the bit of to and fro that we saw early in the day, and this one even with misstarts at doubles. That we've seen plenty of them. I kind of lost count there uh, near the end, but it, it made for a great match, and that's what we wanted to be. We want to be entertained. We did indeed, and actually, with Peter Wright staying in, I know it can't happen until at least after the World Championships. But are we heading for another new world number one? Gervin Price's victory at the Grand Slam extended his lead at the top of the order of merit. But Peter Wright is still in the hunt here at the Players Championship, and will be breathing down his neck the world championships at this rate right before we do look ahead to tomorrow we've had a little bit of magic that you guys can't see but we can uh, phil bars is in the building and he has just dropped us the most spoken about game clip of today we do have peter wright's short clip interview to play for you guys thank you very much phil uh, you guys can catch the full interview on our youtube channel after we finish 
chatting our regular nonsense as we do. We will look ahead to tomorrow's game and then we will ask Liam who he thinks is going to win the World Youth Championship or at least make the final tomorrow as well. So this is Peter Wright and I've just been told we'll have Vincent van der Voort for you also. I wonder if he is going to say the same things as his friend Michael van Gerwen. Firstly though, Peter Wright for you guys. Adrian Lewis has been quite vocal on social media. I know you said you, you haven't heard it. Will you take a look at it? No, I'm bothered about Adrian, you know, and the comments and whatever like that. Do whatever you do. You know, people, if they want to put stupid messages on there, put stupid messages. When, so it's up to them. When... Interesting from Peter Wright. Definitely going to go into more depth for that one for you guys on the YouTube channel after their little spat, shall we call it. Um, and this is Vincent van der Voort for you guys. Let's see what the big Dutchman that wants to destroy everything. He's not a fan of Blackpool, by the way. I wonder if he's about to plough through the tent in Minehead too. Into the quarterfinals. One big day tomorrow, one big push. So you've got the game in you to win three big games tomorrow? No. No, I haven't three. To be honest, no. But I would take each game at a time. Really. If, you, if, if, I have, I have, if you look at the three games, then it's, that's, a really, that's a big mountain. That's like the Mount Everest. But if you look at, that, at one game at a time, then I'm all right. Optimism from the big Dutchman is the way. He's not plowing into anything, but he's just going, no, I'm not going to win. I'm surprised I'm still here, basically. Well done, Vincent. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty, as always. Um, the rest of the clips are available on YouTube. Um, into the quarterfinals, Liam. We're not going to go into too much detail because we are already at 40 minutes on this show. So I'm just going to ask you for one name on who wins each of these quarterfinals. And then I'm going to ask you for a tournament winner as well from here. And then we're going to have a quick look at the World Youth Championship also. So quarterfinal number one, I'm just going to go in bracket order. No idea what order these are being played out in tomorrow. Although looking at it, I suggest they might actually go in this order um, for the broadcast anyway. The way that the bracket works out looks like a TV order yeah. as well. Game number one, Jose de Salza, Brendan Dolan, the number one seed, Plays the number nine, Liam. Who wins? Uh, for me, Jose wins that one, and I I have down 10 7. 10 7. I'm going to say the same, but I'm going to go 10 8. I think he gets a little bit closer. Game number two, Daryl Gurney against Ryan Sell, the number 29 seed. The only Northern Irishman, by the way, in that part of the draw. I said it in the second round in section two. There were seven Englishmen and one Northern Irishman. Daryl Gurney is the sole survivor. All of the English guys are gone. No, they're not, because this is Ryan Searle. Also, who's he play? Does he make it as the only one to knock them all out? Uh, yeah, I reckon Gurney's showing good signs this week. I'm going to go for a Gurney win 10-8, I reckon, to stop the round Absolutely. of Ryan Searle. No shamrock bias there from you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell with that accent. As ever, guys, get your predictions into the chat room. I'll try and flash some of them up, but we are trying to motor through these. Uh, Brandon says 10-5 Dolan. Jack says 10-7, Dolan. I think you missed the hyphen there, but I can guess what that one's going to say. Anyway, um, I am going to say Ryan Searle wins this one. Um, just going to keep pushing and pushing. Jack says 10-8, Gurney. Brandon says 10-9, Gurney. But I'm going to go 10-6, Ryan Searle. Look, Daryl Gurney's been superb. But if anything, if we've learned anything from Daryl Gurney's, Gurney's game this year, it has been that he's incredibly inconsistent. And he's just delivered a very, very solid game. It's almost like backing Michael Van Gogh in the Premier League right now with Daryl Gurney. Because of that, I'm going to go with Ryan. So, game number three. What a game this could be. Could this be the one that decides the title as well? By the way, one of the first four players we've just mentioned are going to be in televised final. Jose de Souza, Brendan Dolan, Daryl Gurney or Ryan Searle will be a Players' Championship finals finalist. Easy for me to say. Peter Wright, this Michael Van Gerwen is in section number three. Liam, who wins this one? Um, MVG for me, 10-7. I just think Wright is just a little bit uh, up and down with his performances at the moment. Um, and like we said, if MVG goes on to win this with the, the list of names he's beaten this week, we're going to be talking again about the best resume in terms of a tournament win uh, all over again. <laughs> would be 
mightily impressive from the green machine but i think he falls if this was a um semi-final game maybe even a final game i'd be worried about peter wright's staying power at the minute it doesn't look like he's he was knackered after playing that grand slam back to back which may play a part later on in the tournament but first on in the afternoon when he's had the right time to prepare himself i'm going to go for peter wright and i'm going to go 10 7 to snake but if he gets any closer i do worry for him a little bit final game of the evening or of the afternoon sorry Johnny Clayton against Vincent van der Voort. Look, Vincent has been superb so far in this tournament, but I have a feeling we are both about to back Johnny Clayton. Just, he, look, don't get me wrong, there have been times where he's looked a little bit edgy in this tournament too. Luke Comfrey's game will go run for his money, and he really wasn't that great last night up on stage either. Um, but he's starting to put that right. Still in the tournament, Johnny Clayton. Surely, even after Vincent van der Voort's massive amount of optimism they can win this tournament yeah right we've got to go play in here haven't we yeah look i nearly ripped up all the the predictions i'd done when humphrey started coming back there at the end but yeah for me this is a convincing clayton win and i'm going to go for a 10 5. vincent jack clayton 10 7. i'm with you buddy we share the same first name we share the same prediction this evening Quickly, then, Liam, one name. In fact, pick your finalist from those two. Go on. Um, I, I reckon Jose uh, gets the final, and I reckon he beats Johnny Clayton to win at 11 8. Interesting. I've already put my winner on Monday, so I don't have to do that for you right now. Um, let's then take a look at the field for the World Youth Championship. If I do this. Where is it? And put this screen up. You guys can see that. That is the field for the Unicorn World Youth Championship. 32 players involved. They'll be split into eight groups of four the top two from each will progress to the last 16 with a seeded player in each of those groups. They're the guys that have got tour cards pretty much that are in because of their ranking position. Callum Ridd is the number one seed headed in over Bradley Brooks, the reigning world youth champion, Ted Everts in the hunt. Keen Barry looked pretty good this weekend. Um, Kieran T and Louis Williams, Rusty Jake Rodriguez and Adam Gaulas are your top eight seeds. A note that Nico Kurtz has withdrawn and been replaced by Jack Mayo in the field as well. Um, the rest of the field made up. Let's just run through the entire field. Keen Barry, Bradley Brooks, John Brown, Ted Evitz, Adam Gaulas, Gert Nenchez, Callum Ridge, Kieran Tian, Louis Williams, Neil Zonneveld. They're all your tour card holders. Your international representatives, Tobias Fisher, Shuzaku Nakamura, Victor Manuel, Rodriguez, Owen Roloffs, Lee Lock Yin and the development tour qualifiers, Nathan Rafferty, Keelan K, Dom Taylor, Reese Colley, Liam Meek, Jared Cole, Cameron Anderson, Joshua Richardson, Lewis Pride, Jack Mayo, European development tour qualifiers, Rusty J. Rodriguez, Fabian Schmutzler, Sebastian Bialecki, Jurgen van der Velde, Nico Springer, Kevin Dewitt, and Michael Verbeek. That Liam is a field littered with talent there and that is the future of our sport right there there are some very very interesting names there um i've got my eyes nathan rafferty was great at the grand slam um keen barry looked very good against um peter wright earlier this week um dom taylor started this year's development tour like a house on fire he's eased off a little bit towards the second weekend of fixtures weren't great for him there, um, I've also got eyes on Fabian Schmutzler, was only old enough for the second block of EU development tours and has still managed to qualify for this field. And in a tour card, I believe, you finished second overall on that one. That kid has definitely got game. But I'm going to ask you now, Liam, I've been rambling on long enough. Who do you think will win the PDC World Youth Championship? Or at least make the final, pick the two, because that final is then played out at Ali Pali. Okay. Um, I mean, this is such oh, a, this is such, I think it is Ali Pali. Could be wrong. Oh, it's on the main stage. 
oh, after the second semi-final. It's been a long weekend, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's an absolute lottery, in my opinion. I mean, there's so many talented players there. Like you said, we've seen the runs of Nathan Rafferty and Bradley Books in the Grand Slam. Done really, really well. Callum Ritz is in there. Kieran Tian, Louis Williams has done very well this year. Keen Barry is another one with huge potential. Even then, the ones that aren't the tour card holders, the ones we've seen in the live league, we've seen them uh, in various tournaments performing uh, to a really high standard. And uh, look, I mean, to make the final, look, with the, the performance I've I seen from Bradley Books in, in, the, in the Grand Slam, I think I'm going to go for him to make the final. Um, so he gets a shot of defending his title. Yeah, I reckon he does. I, I thought he was. I was really impressed with him, and I'm. I don't want to show my bias here. Keen Barry, maybe. You don't seem convinced, but he is one of your boys from mm. across the channel, so maybe we'll let you have that one. <laughs> um, look, there's so many players to keep your eyes on in there. Um, look, you can't really look. I think Callum Ritz is, is massive favourite going into it. He's just been yeah. so good as a tour card holder this year, um, but that doesn't tend to mean a lot for these boys when they get in a room. They just want to beat each other off the board. be interesting to see how Rusty Jake um, adapts to this. Um, absolutely smashed up the European development tour, but hasn't yeah. really had a chance to lock horns with some of these guys throughout the year. Has done in the past, but not this year. Um, and like I said, I'm keeping a lot a focus on Fabian Schmutzler tomorrow. This is where he probably gets drawn in an absolute stink of a group and doesn't win a game. But to, to rock up after just one weekend, um, lose first round in the second event because you get an absolute stink of a draw against Mike Van Dyven. But other than that, I think he won two events, two finals, and a semi-final. It was just ridiculous from the man, the man, the boy, 16 for Christ's sake. Um, eyes on him for me. Um, but I'm going to go for a Callum Rids first. Rusty Jake Rodriguez final. That would be interesting. And played at a very, very nice pace in between those two semi-finals. Um, that's enough from us two for this evening. Liam, thank you very much for joining me once again. No more Fallout Bar this weekend. We will review all of tomorrow's action on Monday night's live lounges. If that show won't be busy enough, reminder, we'll be covering the World Championship qualifier on Monday the World Championship draw, we will have a live watch along for that. And then we will go into the live lounge as usual. No PB for that on Monday. He is up in Newcastle, so that'll be myself, Lee, and whoever wants to join us from the team. Um, jump over to, stay on the YouTube channel, by the way. Finals night in the live league is underway. Looks like Jim McEwen is playing pretty well from the notifications I have seen so far. Martin Adams is also involved too, and a couple of others. If you want to watch some more live darts, if not, don't forget to check out the rest of our interviews on the channel as well. Um, drop us a like on the stream um, before you disappear, please, guys. It really does help us out. Thank you very much to everybody in the chat room for interacting with us. And thank you to you, Liam, for joining me this evening. We can go to bed now, get some sleep, and prepare for Cup Collection Day, multiple Cup Collection Day at Minehead tomorrow night. Have a good one, folks. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on Monday.